So, dude, Patrick Stewart must have seen all the crap Andrew Garfield went through and been like, I'm way too old for this shit. Like, I do not have the effort and just is like, yeah, I'm in the movie. Yeah. Or he just like talked to his PR person and was like, hey, tell Disney I'm going to break it because I I just can't. My, I, I just my can't bones do this. are too brittle. I can't keep on lying. <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up. But I'm happy to hear he's actually in it. Like, I, I was worried they'd, I don't know, pull some, like, deep fake Luke Skywalker trickery or something. I think it'd be really cool if Michael Fosbender also showed up in it as well. I loved his Professor X. I thought he was really good. Ah, uh, sorry. That's James McAvoy, who's a Professor X. Michael Fassbender is Magneto. I know. I've oh, yeah. Duh, for Magneto. Mess, messing up already. Yeah, but yes, James McAvoy's um, Professor X was also extremely good. So... It'd be cool if they both showed up. I don't know if they will. I'm sure Marvel will have to throw down a lot of money to get all these random cameos in it. So I have a feeling like you have to pay a lot of money for James McAvoy just to kind of show up. To show up and just be there as Mr. Tumnus. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Right? He, I like. I had a moment of realization of, holy crap, he's Mr. Tumnus. How He must have been like really broke for money. Yeah, he, he was having a rough time. You know who else is having a rough time? Pod Wars. What's up, guys? That's the name of our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it has been a rough go, I guess. <laughs> and I am excited to be here with my friend and your friend, Justice. What's up, guys? I feel like I haven't done that in a long, long, long time. Gary, right? did I tell the podcast about the crazy comic book that I bought for that was really expensive? No, you didn't. Okay, so my comic book store, shout out to Top Cut Comics. I feel like every single time I bring up what comic book store I go to, I've moved and it's a different place. I've been to many of them. They're all great, besides one of them. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, my comic book store, like most, has like the back shelf when you're going up to the register. And they have like the really nice comics, the ones that are more expensive, the ones, you know, that they're like the, the keys or the collector editions or whatever and i always keep my eye on the new ones that come in and so it was around my birthday which was like a few weeks ago and they got this new hulk i believe it's 380 let me look it up and it's signed by todd mcfarlane and so i'm like sitting there thinking like hmm birthday present for myself maybe i don't know so then i'm it is actually, yeah, it's 340, my bad, I lied. But it's the iconic one where it's not the first fight between Wolverine and Hulk, but it's, like, I think the second iconic fight, and you can see Wolverine with his claws, and, like, in the uh, adamantium reflection is the Hulk, and it's drawn by Todd McFarlane, and so it's signed by him, too. And then so I'm just, like, looking at him, and I'm like, can I see it? Can I, can I hold it? Can I touch it? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And and so I'm like looking at it. I'm like, how much? He's like, it's 600. I'm like, fuck it. So I, <laughs> so I bought this comic and, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, like 600, you might be thinking as a person who doesn't understand comics, that's a lot of money you just dropped on a single issue. Well, that comic not graded and it was a 9.6 is worth like $530. But on top of that, to the amount of money you have to put in to grade it, and then the added bonus of it being signed already, 
made that price so much more. So they were really short selling it at the store. So that's why I ended up buying because I'm like, this is going to be worth a lot more someday. It's a good investment. But that is how I bought Hulk 340. I'm really, I like, I have like, when I get my own place, I have really nice signed graded comics that I'm going to put up and I'm going to have them like on the wall and they're going to look really, really pretty. And so that's, that's my story about how I bought. They have this one comic there. It's the first ever, uh, Gwen Stacy, not Gwen Stacy, uh, yeah, Gwen Stacy is Ghost Spider, and it's the 1 to 25 variant, and it's worth four grand. I'd be terrified just, like, being in its presence. Like, I was terrified being next to Amazing Fantasy in the museum where they had, like, a big glass enclosure. Like, to actually just have one of those would freak me out. Yeah, that's, um... I wouldn't say that's my most expensive one, but it's definitely up there where I'm like, ah, this is my precious. I have to take care of him. It's, it is a really cool one. I just think it's funny that it's a Hulk comic that has Wolverine on the cover and is signed by the creator of Spawn. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, he, he's got some really iconic Marvel covers. You know, I think he also helped co-create Venom or, like, helped be a part of all that. Well, like he was, like, the pinnacle of, like, 90s comics illustration him and, him and, of just, like, the overly muscled well, out. Him and Rob yeah, Liefeld Rob, and Rob all Liefeld, that. yes, all those guys. And then they went and started Image. Like, yes, they're – look at those drawn feet and hands. They're <laughs> – anyway. <laughs> no, no. Look at the muscles, okay? Like, talk about unreasonable the, body expectations the classic image of captain america with like the massive chest i believe is rob liefeld's drawing but so the so one cool thing about this comic book store that i go to is every time you spend ten dollars you get you get like a punch and after a hundred dollars you get ten dollars free so after i had <laughs> spent all that money i basically got 65 dollars back because <laughs> oh <laughs> so i was like this comic's even cheaper <sighs> But I have to spend that money at the comic book store, which I obviously will at some point. Which you definitely right. will. Okay, that actually makes it a hell of a lot cheaper, right. too. So he's like, you're going to get 65 punches. And I was like, dope. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I know I'm going to use all yeah, of that. I think I bought like the Saga Trades and some other manga stuff. Mm. Speaking of manga, I just read a little bit of the beginning of Berserk. And like... I listened to other podcasts about it and stuff, and basically Berserk is supposed to be like mainlining testosterone, semen, and BO into your body of just like that adrenaline-fueled type comic, but also has like, if you keep going, good emotional deep themes, but like the initial part of it is he's having sex with a woman. The woman turns into a monster, and he's like, I gave you one last moment of pleasure, and just murders the monster. Yep, I remember reading that, and this was like right when I was getting into manga. I was just like, what the hell? And I haven't picked it up. What the hell did I, I just read? I have read? not picked it up. But I've been reading like Jujutsu Kaisen. I bought, this is really funny, Gary and I have been watching Attack on Titan, but the there is significant amount of breaks between episodes or seasons so i have bought like the last i don't know seven trades of attack on titan just so i could finish the story and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna buy like any of the rest of them like i just want to finish the story so i bought those one those specific ones so i could finish it wait did you read ahead of what the anime yeah. is doing <laughs> well i haven't not yet oh. but i'm going to soon 
Um, speaking of which, we're not going to dive into this rabbit hole. You need to watch Attack on Titan, everyone. Even if you're not into anime, you need to watch it. Attack on Titan is one of those shows that it's kind of like, um... It transcends the genre and just becomes something that's incredible You know how, like, when everyone was watching Game of Thrones and, like, that's all everyone was ever talking about? That's kind of like Attack on Titan. And you're like, yeah, I don't know, man, it's anime. But it's, it's, it's just this different story that... I, like here, this is all I'm gonna say. You're starting out the story, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, yes, I'm rooting for this main character. Like, he's awesome. He's got like guts. He knows he's gonna take. And then as you're about to spoil something really big right there. Yeah, and well, no, and then so I, I like this is like, a minor spoiler. But then he like turns into this dude, and you're like, "Oh, like, am I supporting a genocidal maniac? I don't know." And and you're like, "Hmm, maybe I am." And you're like, <laughs> like so that's just like the story and you're like hi i don't know where i stand and it's got like really good politics and emotional themes in it so yeah i love stories like that game of thrones is a good good example like many people write it off being like i'm not into the fantasy kind of crap but like it transcended that fantasy genre to just be something that everyone was talking about and that's kind of where attack on titan setting itself up so just like to give a little context too when you look at imdb's i think best episodes i don't want to over exaggerate but i think the top five episodes are attack on titan or at least the top three are like specific episodes i believe at least the top and i think three. of the top 20 episodes of all time like all cinematic whatever attack on titan has at least 10 of them like that's how good this show is and 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 when gary and i've talked about it in the past about you know anime and it's got its anime tropes attack on titan really doesn't have a whole lot of that there's not many things like right, there's not many things that you have to be like oh yep that's just Japanese people and you know their their style that how they like their TV shows it's um but the the one thing though is if that is the first anime you're gonna watch you're rooting yourself for every other anime besides maybe Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood like you just watch the most epic masterpiece and I don't know how you're gonna everything else is gonna like pale in comparison. That is kind of true. I, I'd, I'd wager that if you went somewhere way out of left field, you'd be fine, but that is kind of true. But we should probably stop before we get into an anime rabbit hole. Yeah. We went. It, we were prepping for this, and we're like, we're not going to talk too much about Tack and Titan in anime. But then it happened anyway. It's a, Gary but, and I are probably going to see Batman next week. So, like, we'll drop this podcast this week. The following week, we'll probably drop our Batman episode. I mean, I'm really excited to see it. I've heard really great things about it. So, and I'm not a big DC guy. I'm psyched to see the Riddler. Um, Cause as like, I've converted to more of a Marvel fan because DC's let me down. But as someone who loves DC, the two villains, I'm like, why the hell haven't they done them are one Brainiac they need to do a Brainiac movie at some point. Um, and then two, the Riddler. I think the Riddler done well is absolutely terrifying, and I'm excited to see their Didn't depiction. Didn't Jim Carrey play the Riddler? Um, we don't we don't talk oh, about okay. that one. No, no, we 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 don't talk don't about know. that. I don't know if I've even seen that. It, movie. It, it's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger Mister Freeze. We don't talk okay. about that. Uh, all I know is <laughs> that it seems like it's an origin movie for the Penguin, Catwoman and the riddler and less of an origin for batman because like we've had how many origin story batman movies we don't need a new one 
I love you've definitely seen this meme of like with Robert Pattinson's Batman. Technically, hit the time his parents parents died was around two thousand and one. So it is feasible. The theater they left was a theater that was showing Shrek. <laughs> So he was just there with Martha and Thomas Wayne watching Shrek, got a little scared, went outside, and his parents got killed. Why did I don't? Why is the internet the internet? I don't. Why? Because the years stop, start coming and they don't stop coming. That's why. Um, and then also, also but going off of that, you know, you, I don't know if you heard that they're thinking about doing like a penguin. I don't know, spin-off sequel that might be rated R. That's pretty cool. The, the, yeah, really? the one thing that DC has going for them, as much as I didn't really care for the Joker, it's, you know, it's got, it, it. it's a different story, I guess. They have really good, like, singular movies. They don't do, they don't mm. do the universe very well, but like, you know, Dark Dark Knight. No. Um, I guess if you want to call Man of Steel a good movie, Wonder Woman was a good movie. Um, and, Shazam, all the Christian Bale movies, like they like they do a very good job of, you know, Joker, of single superhero movies. Which is where I think they have to give up the idea of a universe and just say, you know what, we're just gonna make a good movie for this character and just leave it at that. Do you have HBO Max? I don't anymore. I canceled it. I got it for Wonder Woman 84, which is a very idiotic mistake, and then didn't watch anything else good on it. You didn't watch Snyder Cut? I, I'd never finished it. I'm ashamed to admit that as a nerd, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own up to that now. Well, I would say the only other reason that you should get it as a DC person is all the DC shows are on there, but mm, the Harley true. Quinn TV show is amazing, and... Uh, Peacemaker is on there and that is freaking hilarious we should do an episode on the Harley Quinn cartoon and the, the Peacemaker show with John Cena we really should I've heard great things about Peacemaker show I don't know anything about Peacemaker the character but we definitely need to do an episode on those it's like so classic powers we're gonna say we're gonna do an episode and then we're just never gonna do it and it's okay and then we're just gonna like go and piss off our time Speaking of pissing off our time, let's talk a little bit about my boy, Arthur, <laughs> because Arthur has just ended after 25 years, and like, I feel like my childhood has died again. Like, First, my childhood died when Zabumafu the lemur died. Rest in peace, my boy. Now, Arthur's ended, and it's like mind-blowing to me. I also feel like a piece of our souls died when... Guy from Blue's Clues came back and it, like destroyed the internet for like a hot second. Oh, when he's like all making us cry about like you're doing a good job. I'm so proud of yeah. you all. Just like our childhood done. And I also saw something about a live action fairy odd parents. Uh, we don't talk about that either. I freaking loved that show. That was like my favorite cartoon as a kid. Like, if they mess it up in live action, I'll be pissed. Yeah. I want a live action Danny Phantom. Okay, that I'd be all for. Danny Phantom was sick. Um, <laughs> I like how this episode's let's... so random. We <laughs> 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 should probably tell them what we're going to do this episode. No, <laughs> uh, no. Nah, nah, let, let's leave them hanging. Let's, if, if they don't read the title, like, are they even podcast listeners? Um... 
So our boy Arthur goes kind of meta with his ending in which he is a graphic novel writer. Um, and his first graphic novel is all the stories he's told us along the way. And I'm like, that's a good way to sh- end the show. I like that. Right. Um, Muffy became a mayor. DW became a policeman, a policewoman. Um, and yeah, Arthur's ended, guys. Rest in peace. But you know what? Who's still going strong? Elmo. Mm. <laughs> um, let's go into uh, a little bit of Marvel Land. So we haven't talked much about Moon Knight yet, and they released that new poster, really showing his kind of his true Moon Knight alter ego. And I love the look for it. It has less of the hood, like from the OG comics with the hood and cape, and more of a off of the Jeff Lemire type of Moon Knight. Yeah, it's got like he. It's you know Mark Spector is Moon Knight. And or one of his alter egos, I think that's his main personality. Uh, but he wears during the day, I guess, to hide his appearance, specifically in the most recent comic run, which I have been reading, which will probably be the the comic of the week that we talk about later. But he wears like this mask, or the, it's not even a mask, it, yeah, you know, like the you know, when you like those guys who go to the basketball games and they wear those like uh, single colored suits that are really tight spandex suits except it's far more badass than those weird looking right yeah Yeah. but like the the one thing that i really like about it is uh it's got like the seam going down kind of showing like the the dysfunction going in between like on his like even in his psyche it's being extremely portrayed just in his mask in itself which is super cool and yeah he wears that around to hide his to hide who he is because he doesn't like himself so, uh, a little bit on Moon Knight. Moon Knight is... The, well, one thing I see being an issue is the core of Moon Knight's character is that he has dissociative identity disorder. So, he has multiple identities, one of them being kind of his uh, Cape Crusader type where he's this vigilante. Now, there's been a lot of stuff online about Split and people trying to remove that because of the depiction of mental illness. I'm wondering how they f- keep from falling into that trap with Moon Knight because they can't deny it. Like, it's a huge part of the character. It's an interesting character study. But is there a way to do it without pissing people off? All right. So Disney's pretty left-leaning, as we've seen with other things. And, you know, they, as some would say, Disney has an agenda that they're trying to push. Don't really want to get into that. I'm just bringing all that up to say I think – they will have people on the team who are going to do a good job of portraying DID to the grand audience that's not going to make it seem like it's what happened in Split. That's all I wanted to say. Mm. I I hope they find a balance where, you know, it doesn't piss people off, but it also honors the character. Like, the only Moon Knight comic I read was the Jeff Lemire one, and that one really digs deep into his psychosis and how it's all over the place on his mix of identity between himself, the Moon Knight character, the Egyptian god uh, Khonshu, and is he even in the comic, you actually, as a reader, doubt whether he's Moon Knight. Um, So you get this crazy psychosis that they can't deny, so I hope they don't 
water it down. But I also don't want, you know, people on the internet getting all pissed. I think they'll do it tastefully. And also, Oscar Isaac seems to be pretty, I don't know, with the times. So I think he probably added his two cents into it. And he's just a good actor, too. So I feel like that is going to be a key key factor in all that. And, like, Split is not necessarily the most endearing character characterization. Like, at least Moon Knight is cool, you I know? I just think in Split they try to, like, villainize people who have that. Whereas Moon Knight, he's just like, yeah, I'm fucked up, and I don't really know what to do about it. <laughs> That's fair. That's really fair. Um, but I'm excited for it. It'll be coming out soon. I think it's going to... It's going to be probably one of the better Disney Plus Marvel shows. I sure hope so. Like This one, I hope, is going to be on par with Daredevil in terms of grittiness. Because like, Moon Knight, just he doesn't give two shits. And is totally cool with getting shot in the gut if that means he can be a, like, a punchy right in the face. Like He's totally down to get cuts and bruises and will literally beat people to a pulp because he's the fist of Khonshu and needs to protect his people. Yeah, so we'll we'll keep our eyes out for more. There was a trailer out for it as well, and I don't know. I'm hyped about it. Now, on the Marvel front, though, Justice, you brought up in our prep about Punisher and his new logo. Right, so this is more Marvel Comics, and so with... Yeah, all right, I'm just going to get into it. So Marvel uh, is going to release a new Punisher logo. It kind of looks like a skull from a pirate flagship in my opinion like a mix between a like pirate flagship and a viking thing are you looking it up gary yeah i've seen the logo before um it's cool yeah, do, you, do you get what i'm um, saying but it, it does have like a little uh, a, a little bit of that pirate flag type feel but but keep going because there's obviously controversial stuff right. involved with yes, it yes yes and so um why is are they changing the logo well, the comic creator of Punisher uh, has asked for it to happen, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But essentially, what happened is there has been a new thing where our military and our police officers have, I don't know, used this symbol and put the like the blue, the or what is it, the white or the white flag with the blue stripe on it. And put it on the cop cars and put it on military uniforms. And if that's your thing, by all means, like, do your thing. But uh, the reason that it's caused controversy is because the Punisher as a character lives above the law, is a vigilante. And so it's weird that people who are supposed to keep peace and supposed to... um, not be vigilantes are looking up to this vigilante. And if you read the comics most recently, like the Punisher has repeatedly talked about how like cops should not be looking up to the Punisher. Cops should not, um, you know, be idolizing this character. And I'm not saying people are, it's like they have the right to like what they like. Um, I just don't know if it's necessarily the best way to, you know, put it on, a government, like a federal government uh, owned thing. Uh, like I think, 
I think the Punisher is super cool. Like, I think he's a cool character. I think he has a pretty awesome story. He's got some really great comics. He's super badass. It just you're you're. I guess you're towing the line when you are uh, supposed to represent something, and he kind of represents the exact opposite. And does that? Did you get what I'm saying, Gary? Yeah. No, that's <clears throat> that's a good way of going about it. I I think. So the logo has taken a lot of different forms from the wild to moderate to I I don't know. Um, it definitely has been involved with certain movements and some ways it, they try to use it as a commentary for some of the difficulties we faced over the last few years of instead of having organi- organization and, po- and proper way of reacting, of going to vigilante kind of thing. I, I don't know exactly all the political and social aspects involved. I I don't even know to what extent is it really embraced by here supposedly the law enforcement military. I don't know to what extent it actually is versus just, you know, people online. Like anything else. Right. Um Yeah, there's uh I, I I think specifically the example that people point to is there was a like a police squadron um, I don't know what town or city, but they had put the logo on their cop on their cars, and so that's like that drew a lot of controversy. And and um, but other than that, I mean, again, like personally, I don't really think it's like okay to put the Punisher on like in federal government stuff. But if you had it like tattooed on you. Or if like he's your favorite character, you know, Rocket. It doesn't mean you're aligning with whatever people perceive with the logo. You know, like you can still love Punisher and love like the OG logo, and like have whatever opinions you want. Right. You know. And but unfortunately, because Disney, you know, owns this logo and the logo, they can't at this point, you know, tell people like, hey, cease and deceased. They're just like, you know what, screw it, we're going to make a new logo for the Punisher. Which, personally, I would say that they don't need to. Um, I get their thought process. They don't want to be connected to any kind of activity that could potentially hurt people, what have you. I don't know all the particulars about how that logo is used and to what extent violence has been used in its name, for lack of a better description. But Punisher is so connected to the logo. Right. It's like, you, you can't deny that history. It's so iconic. I, I agree. I like, agree. I saw a tweet. Like, you can't. You just can't disconnect them from it. I saw a tweet. It. it was like, whoever had the task of coming up with designing this new logo is already set up for failure because, like, this is one of the most iconic you, symbols. It's one of the most iconic logos in all right, of media. Right, you have, you have Spider-Man, like, you know, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, and then I would say, like, the Punisher logo is up there, too. Oh, yeah. If not more so, as in, like, his connection to the character is so deeply tied to that logo. Like, imagine if on Batman's chest, instead of it being the classic Batman logo, I don't know, it was like a normal animal-looking bat. You'd be like, what the hell is that? Um, Like, it's... I I don't feel like they needed to change it. I understand them wanting to disconnect from whatever kind of... Controversy. Things could be connected to it. Whatever kind of controversy, all of that. But it's so iconic. I'd my the way I would go about it if I was you know the powers that be with all the money I would just wait it out you know 
wait for controversy to die down, wait for people to relax and have the character remain the character. And real fans would know, okay, this is Punisher. And real fans would know this isn't. Right. You know? And I actually, the, that new issue is coming out this week where he's going to be, you know, it's going to have like the new suit. And so I'm thinking about picking it up. I don't, I don't really read Punisher comics. I don't know why. I mean, I think he's a cool character, but I also don't think there has been like a main title with him recently. I haven't. I think they've been avoiding it, honestly, because um, I can't think of any really well-known Punisher comics in a while. I mean, correct us if we're wrong. Either way, it's a badass logo, like the original one is. This logo is fine. It'd be cool if it wasn't for the fact that the original one's so iconic. It does look really cool. I like when there's like blood dripping from it. Um, even though it's hot. Terribly ironic you just said that. Most guys say flip it upside down. It looks like something else. That's all I'm seeing on the internet right now when I'm looking at the logo. I'm talking about the old one. And I'm like, you guys need to stop. Oh, the old one. The old one is dope. The old one is really, really dope with that. Um, But yeah, this one, this one makes me sad. It's because we've had a chaotic year, two years, three years. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's been sucking Since for a Harambe while. Died. And so people are kind of heightened. Since Harambe died, it's been downhill since then. Controversy aside. Controversy aside. Gary, should we talk? Why don't you talk some Elden Mm? Ring? Because I know you're dying to talk about it. I am dying to talk about it. So, guys, I am a, I'm a big fan of the Dark Souls games. Um, By that I mean I suck at them, but I love them in a masochistic kind of way. So. Dark Souls and the Soulsborne genre, they're all very similar. They're games that are meant to be difficult, meant to give you that old school like Nintendo system kind of vibe where each and every level you have to really work hard for and gain skill for. Um, And they're more of a melee kind of combat in a cool way where it's not just, you know, hitting the B button 57 times against an enemy. Like, each and every bit of combat is well thought out, meticulous, and interesting. Not how I play video games. Not at all how you play video games. You've played a little bit with me, and you're like, this is not my thing. But it's incredible kind of genre. I have a coworker who puts in quite a few hours at work, and recently he's been like, yeah, I'm going home early to go play Elder Ring. And I'm like, good for you, man. Like, at least it's getting you something to go home. <laughs> that that sounded so pathetic. <laughs> At least it's giving you something to go home for. No, I love him. And yeah, it's <laughs> I have thought about playing it. It looks good. I didn't uh George R. Martin write some of the story. So yes. So there's a few things I want to talk about with it. One is that George R. R. Martin was involved with the story. Now there's a few things in there. From Software, the company that makes these games, said that they put certain constraints on George R. R. Martin, um, less because they want to limit his creative ability, more so they didn't want him to write a dope story and then end up being like, sorry, we no longer have this gaming mechanic, we can't include it. So they kind of limited the scope to which he could be It wasn't involved. like, sorry, we really like Game of Thrones and we need you to finish your damn book. <laughs> that he writes with on hand 
and it takes a decade and he still hasn't freaking done it. I wonder if he's changing the story but, because of how bad the ending of Game of Thrones was. Oh, guaranteed, dude. Guaranteed. Um, but yes, he was involved. Um, so with the Souls games, the biggest critique I have of them is that when you're stuck on a boss or on a level, you don't end up playing that game for a very long time or you're just hitting your head against the wall for days and weeks on end. Like literally, Dark Souls 3, I took a two-year break from playing that game because there was a boss I could not beat and like I couldn't get further. I, the only way I could get past it was either beating that boss or just kind of grinding and grinding and grinding until I was leveled high enough that I actually stood a chance. But I took that long of a break because it's a linear, it's mainly a linear game. Uh, Souls fans would be like, it's not exactly linear, but it's essentially very linear. I like playing games that are somewhat challenging, have a good story, but you don't have to spend two years not getting pissed off that you can't beat a section. Like God of War is a perfect example. You get a little bit of button mashing, but you get a little bit of the whole Dark Souls-esque to it when it comes to combat system, but you still get to enjoy the game. And you and and like for example, when you finish the game, you can go and fight the Valkyrie. I spent six hours one day trying to fight one Valkyrie. So there's the Dark Soul aspect to it. But then the but then yeah. there's like the open worldness of being able to explore, which I guess you could do in Dark Souls. But there's still like the button mashing where I could just like press you know swing to hit the guy a hundred times and he dies and it's not that big of a deal. But Elden Ring has subverted that major difficulty of if you can't get by a boss, you're effed. Um, Elden Ring is actually open world. So I just played it for an hour. I ran to three different bosses. I'm like, I have no chance in hell of beating any of these. So I just went somewhere else. So I think it is the best kind of Souls-like game for people who don't usually play it because it gives you that satisfying combat where it has... Really, everything's meticulous. Everything is well done. It's not like Skyrim, where you're like, okay, this combat is absolutely stupid. I'm just playing it for the world. Um, but at the same time, if you run to challenging areas, you can go somewhere else. You can find somewhere else interest interesting. And then even for Souls fans, it has uh, caves that are a little bit more linear in that you have to go step by step by step. Because part of the fun of a Souls game is like earning that extra 10 feet further that you couldn't get like five minutes ago. It's so far I'm enjoying it so far. I think there's a lot of potential. It's gotten incredible ratings. People are calling it like the next level of like the next step above breath of the wild for open world games. So I'm excited to keep playing it. Yep. Don't think I'm going to check it out. That's okay. There's just too much content to consume in my life. And Video games right now are the last thing on my list. So, this is it. It's what it is. You'll get there. You'll get there. I'll eventually convince you to try it. Maybe when I come up this weekend. Hell yeah, dude. So, are we ready to actually dive into the real topic of the episode? The sure. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Not at all the real topic, but we have to go into it a little bit here. Well, we might eventually get a full breakdown here, but Justice... I've so I finished The Witcher newest season. You are about what seven episodes into yes, it now. I have gotten to the part where I just finished the scene. I think like maybe I'm episode six, 
where there's that dragon flying thing over the lake and Siri standing on top of the rocks and the uh, Henry Cavill, the Witcher, takes the potion and he's like, just stand there, Siri. You got this. You got this. And out of nowhere, he jumps and like cuts its throat. And then he's like, oh my gosh, I love Siri's that. like, all right, cool. This I could do this. I want to be a Witcher. And he's like, where are my fucking swords? i love henry cavill as the witcher so much like he is incredible as Geralt. um the beginning of the season is the best part of it you think so um the second part is very much a setup for the next season i think they're setting up for what the villains in the witcher 3 am i right yes they're definitely setting up for the wild hunt um i don't want to spoil too much but i'll give little bits um so the beginning you start out with just a one-shot story of him running into this guy who is basically turned into a monster and you get this really honestly kind of horror-esque terrifying fight with him and this creature called a bruxa which is kind of this vampiric woman and it's an epic awesome classic witcher short story kind of episode and then it goes more into him at Kaer Morin. Justice, what do you think about him and like the other witchers hanging out? I liked it. Actually, so on Netflix, they also have the cartoon of where it's um, mm. Vesemir's you know, upbringing and how he became you know, the head main witcher. And then you kind of see at the very end, like little baby Geralt. And so it was cool watching that because it's all like how Kaer Morin like crashed and fell and like the humans attacked. And so there's like all this backstory. So it was really nice watching that, having that context, and then watching this and just seeing, like, where they've come from, like, where they, like, where grown up, like, how they've let this place who's, that's kind of run down really still feel lively. And it's fun watching Geralt and other witchers interact with each other because they're just, like, these brutes who aren't supposed to show emotions but totally do. Totally do, and they're totally hyped to see each other. Like, you could tell, like, winners are their time just to party together. Like, they're all so hyped to see each other. It's kind of like cool to see. Like, the whole year they spend, or I guess, like, nine months of the year they spend killing, looting, you know, drinking with people in other towns, doing, you know, killing all these, like, uh, monsters. And then they come back, mm-hmm. and they're just like, yeah, we're going to chill together and just get plastered for three months while we're you know, <laughs> encased in this, you know, this mountain inside. And you get a lot of cool stuff with Siri. Um, her Witcher training is awesome. I love the episode where she gets wrecked on the obstacle yes. course. And at first, they're like giving her shit about it. And then at a certain point, they're like, okay, this girl's being pretty tough. Like, this is awesome. Um, that part's incredible. And the fight with Geralt and his Witcher buddy basically turning into a tree was it was tragic and kind of cool to see. It was a great monster depiction with that as well. Yeah, the, the Leshy? The Leshy, that's it's it. Like a, it's like a, I don't know, it's like an end from Lord of the Rings, but more horror. And you get the series kind of progressing more into who is Ciri, what is her elder blood, what is her power, and it progresses on and on and gives you more context on what to expect for the next right. season. So you have the introduction of the Wild Hunt. You have the introduction of basically these obelisks that are present from the conjunction of spheres, which the spheres, conjunction of spheres being basically the collision of the multiverse, of all these universes coming together, creating the what 
the Witcher is currently living on. And Siri is deeply connected to that conjunction, the different conduits that are related to it. And you'll see that progress as her power is really connected to this kind of Witcher multiverse. I won't spoil too much, but it definitely progresses along as you go through the story. And the last thing that I'll say on it is in the first season, whoever edited it didn't do a good job of explaining that each of the three main characters, Geralt, Siri, and Yennefer are on different timelines until basically the last episode or the seventh episode. Whereas this one, mm-hmm. it's all they're all in the same timeline. And but each episode is kind of a monster of the week, but somehow there's like a little piece that connects the whole season together, which I think is better, beautiful storytelling. Like Supernatural, I think really peaked at doing that, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. I really like that uh, The Witcher was able to do that this season, and there wasn't a bunch of jumping around at different timelines. By timeline, I mean like past, present, future, not multiverse timeline. Yeah, the pacing of the second season is significantly better. Um, But I don't necessarily blame the writers for that because season one had an undertaking that's really hard to do. Like, how do you create a character development for three characters who are in drastically different timelines? And they did it, I think, the best they could. They could have hinted at it for the average viewer to make it a little bit more obvious. Um, But this season doesn't have that same kind of trapping so you can just enjoy the story it's not as difficult to follow for sure all right we've talked witcher maybe we'll break it down more but it's time to talk what if which i think it's a perfect time to really talk about it because dr strange is coming out soon and we keep on saying this wandavision loki what if you have to watch what if to understand, I think to get the most pure and perfect watching experience for Multiverse of Madness. I, I'd agree. Um, I do wonder, and I can get to it on, because you see in the trailer a dark Doctor Strange. I wonder if this is the same Doctor Strange or not. Um, but what if offers you greater perspective on what the multiverse is going to be like in Marvel and what it's going to be like in that Doctor Strange movie? gives you a lot more context and it does it in a way that's fun it's not overly childish like or childish necessarily at all the only critique i would give is that everything is rushed because the episode time is relatively short so that's both a positive and a negative but i don't know if it would, i think it's like uber rushed where it just feels like it hits the certain beats that it needs to to get to the story whereas in movies that has time to breathe mm. And not even like a ton. We're like seasons, like a sorry, TV shows have like a lot of time to breathe. Movies kind of have it where, and then like these like episodes are really very short. So they just have to hit that those specific beats to get the story to where they want it to be. And I was just thinking about this as we were thinking about the what if, like how we have, we had like phase one where they set everything up for the Avengers. They did that in one season with. What if they set up, you know, they multiverse you I don't know what the, the Guardians, yeah, Guardians of, the of the Multiverse. Yeah. So it was just really cool how in one season they essentially did what they did with phase one. Now there are certain characters that I kinda wish they picked over other ones, but I'm you know, I kinda wish Marvel would do a multiverse of or Guardians of Multiverse comic and that would be really cool to write. That would be a really cool one to write. Um Let's get into why they chose that group, because part of it is the Watcher. 
He has the oath not to get involved, but he's run into a multiversal threat with basically Vision, Ultron fusing together and having the Infinity Stones. And this is beyond what normal he- heroes can handle. He needed to actually step Right, in. so the last two episodes connect the whole other six together. The, the first six are introducing just like that what if this character, this happened. And then the last two are like taking, plucking those characters out of their episode and putting them into this one because in the seventh episode, Gary, like Gary was saying, Ultron fuses with Vision and he ends up collecting the Infinity Stones and just like basically wipes out his whole universe. And he's like, I'm really bored. I am just uber bored. And the only couple heroes that are left are like Black Widow and Hawkeye. And so what ends up happening is like the watcher is doing his thing where he's narrating, which like at some points it's kind of creepy, but you know, it's just, it's what's the watcher does, but Ultron is so powerful. He's able to hear the watcher narrating and is like, Hmm, I wonder if I'm powerful enough to break past this barrier and get to where he's at. And I loved how they have in that episode where the watcher and uh, Ultron or whatever it is, super Ultron are fighting each other. And there's like this, I don't know, cavern space that they're in where it's like they're in between each uh, different universe. It was like, it's very cool how like they're in between the fabric of time and they're fighting. And you see these crystallized walls between the multiverse. And I really think that kind of area and these crystallized walls between multiverses is going to be a part of Doctor Strange. I think they're going to get into that same kind of realm. I think you kind of see that when, I don't know if it's the poster or if it's one of the... Or yeah. where, like, the glass is breaking, it kind of feels the same way with the what if episode. Yep. And that gives you a little clue on what the multiverse looks like, what traveling between it, between it all looks like. Now, he, they're gathering this team together. You start out with Captain Carter, who's having a lot of parallels to Winter Soldier. The what if series has done a great job of paralleling their story and the MCU story. And you also see Steve in his iron suit kind of teased there that he's still alive, suggesting that we could see Captain Carter again with Steve Rogers as the new Winter Soldier, a, a plot that could definitely happen. Um, you also get to see a lost episode with Iron Man and Gamora. So Iron Man, it, this episode's based off of if Iron Man and Gamora went to Sakaar instead of Hulk and Thor. And it shows Iron Man in this Sakaar style Hulkbuster armor and Gamora wearing Thanos' armor and having Thanos' sword as they're melting the Infinity Gauntlet. Now, they said that they paused that due to COVID. Um, I don't know how much of it's actually due to COVID or if they just wanted to save it for the next season. But it's a it's a lost episode that they kind of just still clunked in there because they knew they needed Gamora for the finale. Right. I... I... Do you want to, Gary, share who are the guardians of the multiverse and why you think the Watcher picked them and what episode they're kind of coming yeah. from? Yeah. So you got Captain Carter, you have Killmonger, you have Star-Lord T'Challa, you have what I'm going to call Party Thor, um, and you have you have Dark Doctor Strange, and am I missing anyone else? Black from Widow. There? I don't believe so. 
Black Widow, who comes in later. Now, um, it, my initial thought, and you probably had the same thing, dude, was that why the hell would he choose these guys? They're not necessarily the strongest possible characters, and they're certainly not the strongest you see in comics, Marvel, all of that. Um, but it, if you go throughout the, the series, you see that he didn't need the strongest. He needed ones that could give this predictable outcome. Right. Like, you need, obviously, Doctor Strange for all the magic and the protection spells. Mm -hmm. Thor, because he probably is the strongest. You need T'Challa and Killmonger because they're very extremely smart and they're good at tactile. Killmonger's got the military experience. I think T'Challa just has the charisma, is what I'm going to say. Well, there's, there's a little more to it. Like, you're definitely right with Doctor Strange. He, they needed the magic. Um, but, so T'Challa being there is because, you see, T'Challa, he's kind of a master thief in his episode. And he's able to swipe the Soul Stone right off of Ultron's chest. Then you have Thor, who's party Thor. So he's not even the strongest version of Thor, but he is freaking out there. Like, he makes a scene. And so the whole reason they brought in Thor was to attract Ultron's attention by Thor basically being like, Viva Las Vegas, and just shooting lightning freaking everywhere. My issue with that whole season is his episode sucks. Sorry. His episode did I, suck. It did definitely suck. I, I know suck. we're talking about the two best episodes of the whole season, but just really quick. like, If you're going to watch What If, totally skip the Thor episode. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Um, Gamora is brought on because she has the Infinity Crusher. Mm. Now, the Infinity Crusher is an interesting weapon because actually... so. The Ancient One in Infinity War says you can't destroy an Infinity Stone. You can't get rid of it. But we see Thanos basically, quote-unquote, get rid of the Infinity Stones. So it's a little bit of Marvel uh, trickery in that you can't necessarily destroy them, but you can atomize them in which they're so small and in insignificant that you can't gather them up and use their power. So it's a little Marvel kind of like claws in you can't destroy the infinity stones but you can also kind of destroy the infinity stones really quick before i make a fool of myself gary you've seen the episodes a little more recent than i have did the spider-man survive in the zombie episode oh i forget with that one he doesn't show up in the finale right um but i don't remember if he survived because it would have been really cool if like he came in for the finale yeah, it would have been cool with him. Um, Wasp was when the main one who sacrificed her life at the end. Um, but we do get some zombies going on here later with a specific character in mind. Yes. Now, one of the coolest things is seeing Doctor Sh Dark Doctor Strange's power, which comes back to what Justice is saying of that knowing watching what if will help you with multiverse of madness because you either get to see the same doctor strange or a similar kind of doctor strange now this dark doctor strange can consume the power of various kind of beings and elder gods being the more specific one one being uh sumer gorath who is going to be showing up in multiverse of madness with a different name i have no idea why and you see that this doctor strange is I, in my opinion, way more powerful than the one we see because he just breaks all the rules. Well, not only that, but he spends like over a millennia just like sucking life energy from these elder gods. 
Yeah, so he's beyond... He's powerful enough to put up a fight to Ultron with the Infinity Gauntlet, and he creates this armor for everyone, which is super dope, that makes it so that, like, Captain Carter can actually fight this creature. The last episode is so cinematic, like, especially when Black Widow gets introduced and they're falling. You know what I'm talking about, that scene? Like, mm, they, yeah. the there's this... I think I've brought it up before, but in manga or anime, there's like one shot where they want to put all their budget into. That's exactly what Marvel did with the last episode of what if it's very cinematic. There's a lot of shots that you look at and you're like, I've seen this before. Cause it's the exact same kind of shot as Avengers that like circling around of the team up shot. Really, really stellar. And now, it's pretty. I, I'm, it is pretty. You're pretty too. Thank justice. You. You're pretty cute too. Um, that was the sound of me winking, folks. Now, we do get some Marvel zombies in which basically Doctor Strange opens a portal and it's super dope because a bunch of zombies just fall onto Ultron. And, like, I think it was Thor joking, like, oh, zombies, cool. And he's like, what in particular that I really wanted? And you see zombie Scarlet Witch there, who from that episode was so dope. And,. I've heard a lot of people tease online, correct me if I'm wrong there, Justice, that we may or may not see a zombie Scarlet Witch in multiverse. Well, we've seen a zombie Doctor Strange, at least that's what it looks like when he's got the the six arms and he's doing his, you know, Doctor Strange power things, that there's a term for it, I just don't mm-hmm. know what it is right now. So it's not a far-fetched idea to think that zombie Wanda might come as well. So the fight keeps on progressing, and... They're adding more to the lore of what the heck the Infinity Stones are and what's the limits of their power. So we know that they can atomize it, but they can't destroy it completely. And this is the first time we actually see two Infinity Stones fighting each other. In that Dark Doctor Strange has his Time Stone still, and he uses his Time Stone to counteract Ultrons. Which is interesting, because I thought in the comics, the usual thing is that Infinity Stones in one universe don't work in the other and at least that was my impression with it i just thought it was cool that they actually had the two fighting each other now the real one who's kind of the the oddball of the group is killmonger because one he's a villain and two he's not necessarily the most powerful one there and he's kind of redundant with t'challa so i was also wondering why the heck do you have killmonger and that's because at the end, when they finally defeat Ultron, they use it through this virus that has Artem Zola, and he takes over Ultron's body, and Killmonger ends up taking all the Infinity Stones. And so they needed somebody who was a bad guy to actually jump in and take the stones. Otherwise, it would have been basically Artem Zola as uh, Ultron taking it on from there and they'd lose the day so i thought that was a cool touch that it all kind of fell into place and even dr strange mentions like you chose all of us purposefully yeah and then you have like the cute scene or not cute but like the beautiful passionate scene where t'challa is like talking down his brother and you know you don't want to do this because it's evil that kind of thing yeah and you finish off with dr strange making the sacrifice of well First off, showing incredible power of locking them into a pocket dimension, which when you think about it, is an absolutely terrifying power that he has. And he's watching over them now for eternity in his like lone pocket dimension. Um, 
So it's a really interesting ending to it all. It's a really, it's really out there, but in a way that makes sense, is cool, and is very cinematic. And you get a lot of those connections that are going to matter with Multiverse of Madness. And then the, also the nice thing, because the last two episodes really focus on Black Widow and her doing her thing. And like her whole goal was getting Zola, the AI, from her universe to wherever these guys are fighting this Ultron. And that's how they're going to defeat him. And that's like a whole big piece to the f- episode. But her universe is destroyed by Ultron. There's nothing left for her. And so the Watcher finally does one like last act of kindness and he puts her in a universe where the Black Widow has died. And there's a scene where like she kind of like pops in and starts fighting. And Nick Fury is like, you're not my Black Widow, but I'm glad you're here. I love how chill Nick Fury is. He's like, I, I-, I could see this happening. Like he just has Black Widow show up, but he's seen enough crap that he's like, this doesn't surprise me. He's just like, I missed you. And he's like, I don't know you, but we're going to be friends. And I thought that was really sweet. Like, every episode except for the finale um, has Iron Man die at some point. And and they have Black Widow return. So they're hinting back to the most tragic deaths within the MCU in a way that's really sweet. While also, you know, including real-life loss of Chadwick Boseman and him being a central part of the series. It's it's cool stuff that they're adding in there. For sure, for sure. But Any last words? I mean, to sum up, the reason to watch One If is, one, it's just genuinely fun. Um, then on top of that, the things that are important to take from it are that multiversal enemies are out there and that you could have characters from various universes involved, have the Marvel zombies so that they're not a complete shock to you if they show up in Multiverse of Madness, have this realm in between multiverses, and you get to see a lot more of the Dark Doctor Strange, who in some capacity is going to be in Multiverse of Madness. I don't know if it's the same one, though. Because there are many, uh, yeah. it could be a Dark Doctor Strange that fully went evil. Because this one isn't necessarily evil, he's more tragic. So, it, it might not be exactly the same, but it will add a lot to your experience. I mean, I don't see it as something like you need to see in order to not be confused, but it'll definitely make your experience better. And then the last reason, I think, to watch it is that everyone's got really busy lives, and this stuff is 20 minutes long, so... Throw one on when you're eating breakfast, and you'll be able to watch all of them before Multiverse of Madness comes. Or yeah, Multiverse of Madness comes out. True, true. That is a huge plus of the episode format. All right, Gary, is it time? I think it is time. Time for a special segment, a sexy segment, our comic of the week. I appreciate you calling it a sexy segment. <laughs> you just gave a little nod of like, hell yeah. so guys i have honestly not been reading a ton of comics but like i said i have been reading moon knight and i think one of the brilliant things that marvel comics has been doing is maybe like a month or two before the show comes out or the movie comes out they write like a new they put it like they produce a new comic so they have moon knight it's on comic issue nine, I think, and I've read up, read up to six. And 
you know, She-Hulk is coming out soon. She-Hulk's on issue two. So if you're looking to kind of figure out more about the character before the show comes out, just look, you know, maybe a month or two in advance, and I bet you there's an issue number one or a lower issue number for that comic. They are always very strategic of knowing that when there's a character coming out, we have to have comics alongside of it. They always set that up well for people. Right, and and it's not normally like the main... There is specific comics that are like the main overarching story that Marvel's trying to tell. And I would say like Moon Knight, She-Hulk, The Thing aren't really, you know, part of that. So there's no worry about, oh my goodness, what do I need to know? Anyway, so lots have happened with Moon Knight. And this, I have not read it. So it's kind of interesting reading this story, the first, you know, kind of arc. And it really centers around Moon Knight after a pre- in his previous like issue run, he was convinced by Khonshu, who is the moon god of Egypt, to take over the world and kind of like put the Avengers underneath his boot and like crush their necks kind of thing. He was going to take over the world. You know, he's the fist of Khonshu. That's where he got his powers from. And he also, through this, like realized that he was wrong. And so part of where this comic picks up is after like all the dust is, dust is settled and he's trying to figure out his life and he's order mandated to go to a superhero therapist. So he's going to therapy and she's like, how can, like, it's kind of interesting. Like how do you help someone who's got DID and also wears a mask? How do you connect with that person? And he has, has like all of this other baggage, this other issues. And so he just kind of like goes to therapy, not really to, I would say get better, but just cause he has to. So there's that. And then the comic is he's kind of given up the idea that he's the fist of Khonshu and he's, you know, got this grand purpose. He's now kind of almost taken on like this venom role where he's like, I'm here to protect the innocents. I'm here to wherever my like block, my corner is. You don't want to be out at night because I'm going to hurt you if you're hurting my people. And so that's like kind of where he's at right now. And Marvel Comics has been doing this whole thing where they're with the Mar with uh, vampires, and they kind of like trickle into his area, and the like there's the comic starts with these two vampires driving a truck full of newly created vampires, and they're like, all right, you're gonna have we're gonna set you off with a bunch of people, and you're gonna suck their blood, and you're gonna become initiated, and he kills those two vampires, and then like saves the ones because they didn't want to become vampires and they're still like innocent, but they're, you know, they can't really do anything. So a couple of them start just hit chilling, hanging out with moon Knight, And he opens up this clinic to like people who are in trouble or who need help. They come and they talk to moon Knight, and they like kind of set up these appointments. And so, <laughs> this is a so, very appointment driven comic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. And so in the background, there's two things going on. There is a guy who's like the other fist of Moon Knight or sorry, uh, Khonshu. And he's he's like, you've lost your path. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to break you down so that you don't give up our God and you don't, you know, uh, abandon him like you're using his powers for yourself. So he tries to like twist 
ever so slightly to kind of break him. And then there's this other character in the main, the first arc, who's legitimately trying to attack Moon Knight to the point where, like, he's trying to kill people. He's trying to murder Moon Knight. He's trying to, you know, do these things. And Moon Knight's, like, not really figuring out, like, who's all this. They're like, there's too many players at stake that he can't really figure out where he's getting attacked from and why. But the whole the whole thing is like something will happen, he goes to therapy. Something will happen, he goes to therapy. <laughs> and, and and so it's 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 pretty I like it a lot. The one issue that really sticks out to me, which just kind of shows the brutality of Moon Knight, the other fist of Kanchu and him get into a fight and they think he thinks He's trying to kill Moon Knight thinks that the other fist is trying to kill his vampire friends, which he kind of is. He wants to, but he wouldn't like do it until he's doing it in front of Moon Knight to like show him like how he's lost his way as the other guy, which hasn't really been introduced until issue six um, is trying to kill the vampires. And, and so Moon Knight's like, you douchebag, you're trying to kill my friends. How dare you? And the other fist guy is like, I am not. I don't know what you're talking about. So they go back to his clinic. Moon Knight is, you know, behind him and takes a bat and just beats the ever living shit out of the other, <laughs> out of the other uh, fist. And just like, like with like he's not his like his he's like the guy is turned from him and Moon Knight just comes up behind him and starts beating him on the head with this bat just over and over repeatedly and kicks him. And there's like blood coming from his eyes because of like this, like the brain damage and trauma that he's caused. And he's like, I don't need you. I don't need Kanchu. You get out of my life. You never come back. And if you're here again, like I will freaking murder you and just like throws him out the window. I'm pretty sure he did <laughs> like actually murder him. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, he hasn't showed up yet, but like, I don't think he did. And so it's just, there's just like really brutal things like he like takes these punches and these hits where I'm like, you could have blocked that. And he's like, nah, man, I'm just going to take it, take these beatings. But the last issue that I read is I think the reason why he is the way he is and he's taking these beatings because he finally breaks down in therapy. It's not even in therapy. He breaks down to his friend and he's like, he's, he talks about how his dad who is Jewish and talks about like how his dad taught him all this history of what the Jewish people have gone through and you know, the Jewish God and how he thought his father was weak for not giving up on this, you know, indifferent God and end up, he's the one who's weak because the whole reason that Moon Knight gets these powers is because he's in Egypt and he dies. And then Kanchu comes to him and he's like, here, do you want to live? And here's these powers. And that's how he gets these powers. And so he ends up saying, like, he's the one who became weak because he couldn't deal with being dead. And also, he almost took over the world. And he has this child, and the mother is scared of him and fled the country. So now he wears the mask because he doesn't want to look at his face. And he takes these beatings because of, like, he can't accept the fact of all the things that he's done and all the people that he's hurt and all the people that he's either buried or had they've had to get buried because they've been friends with him. And it was like, wow, that's really deep. That is pretty cool. I, I hope they explore more of that kind of tragic part and then like the straight up bloody action part in the series. Right. So 
I'm actually going back and I think I'm reading the Jeff Lemire run right now. Is that the I think it's the 2018 to 2020 run? I I didn't finish it. Um but like what I read it was really it was trippy, dude. In like a cool way. Like you legitimately through it you're like, "Wait, so is the main character actually Moon Knight?" Like you you questioned everything. It's it's cool how they set it up. And even I feel like in the trailer you're questioning everything too. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, and that was a wonderful comic of the week, Justice. Thank you for that one. No problem. That was like six comics, so there you go, yes. <laughs> now, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at Pod Wars Podcast. We do a shit job of posting on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no other stuff beyond that. That's just what it is. Now, you can also get in touch with us with at AskPodWarsPodcast at gmail.com. Now... I I can't think of a send-off, dude. Last last time it was so great with the Nickelback send-off. Like, I have nothing else. You don't have, like, a Nickelodeon or an uh, Arthur send-off? Or what's, like, a thing that they always I think say? I'll do, uh, we'll do an after-credits Marvel style of me giving a dissertation about how Itachi and Aaron Yeager are essentially opposites of characters. So if any of you want to sit around for that, that'll be in my after-credits. Have a great week.